1: So we're at an interesting time in Star Trek right now as we're recording this we're between the season finale of one show and before the uh the season premiere of a new show it's a really exciting time to be a Star Trek fan and uh, a really exciting time to be talking about all things Star Trek here on Positively Trek I'm Dan Gunther with me of course is Bruce Gibson so Bruce how are you doing? I'm doing
2: well. Just so you know, the fact that you're saying, oh, we're going from one Star Trek series to another and all that. You know, it's amazing because last night I went to bed and you know how they say in, in the way to uh, fall asleep is to count sheep in your head. I actually lay down. I was like, wait, how many series have we had now? And I start going, OK, there's the original <laughs> series, the animated series. And I, said, and I don't even know if I got to the end. I fell asleep. Counting Star <laughs> Trek series can help you fall asleep because we got so many. I love it.
1: (laughs) That's great. Well, we've invited someone special to be on the show this week. And if you listen to our Lower Decks review, you've already heard uh, her joining us. So this week we have Jessie Gender joining us and we're going to dig down deep into her fandom and all that sort of stuff. So we are truly honored to have you on our show. Welcome.
0: Oh well, I am so incredibly honored to be on your show and to be here and I mentioned this before we started recording but I I think it's worth saying on the recording. Uh I have been a fan of your show for longer than I've been doing my own stuff. So I uh, I you guys have like you guys were a show back on Literary Tracks that I listened to when I was going through some hard times and also was dealing with like stuff and also needed like a fandom to to sort of feel appreciated by and delve into. So Honestly and truly, it is really meaningful to me, too, to be here and, and to hang out with both of you. And, and it, it really does mean a lot. So I'm just so excited.
1: Oh, well, that that means so much. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. And, yeah, that's great. I'm glad that
2: uh, you listen to us in literary tracks. That means you read the books. And I'm glad that mm-hmm. we were there for you during difficult times. I mean, it's like that. that, you know, that's what we want to get across is the love of Star Trek and the community and the support. That's what it means yeah. to us.
0: That's what, that's what it's all about. Like, I've said this numerous times. Like, I love talking about crazy, weird sci-fi shows like Star Trek. It's, it's part of the joy of my life. But the thing that's most meaningful to me about Star Trek is the people and community that it's, it's given me, um, outside of the shows. So it's just like, The very fact that, like, we we were able to connect and become, like, you know, doing podcasts and, like, have this wonderful, like, conversation and upcoming conversation. It's just, like, this is is what Star Trek really is about, the conversations we create as a community and as people and as humans. And so I'm just, ah! It just makes me feel very happy (laughs) and excited, so...
1: Awesome. Well, those of you out there who are listening, who are familiar with Jesse Gender's YouTube channel can totally understand why we would have her on Positively Trek, because I truly think that she is one of the most positive voices in Star Trek fandom today. Really terrific videos highlighting the important issues that Star Trek deals with and talking about them in a frank and meaningful manner. Uh, so what I want to do with this is just kind of dig down and and find out what makes you the biggest, the big Star Trek fan that you are these days. So we'll start with that. How did you become a fan of Star Trek?
0: Oh boy. Uh, I referenced this, I think, in last, uh, lower decks discussion, (laughs) but (laughs) how I came into Star Trek is the weirdest way possible was, My parents are divorced, and so my dad would always come and pick me up on the weekends, and he would drive me to his house on the weekends so I could spend time with him and and his half of the family. And so he would always, like, play some random music or thing that he thought was cool that he wanted to share with me. And one day, he put in, like, listen to this, and it was the Star Trek Nemesis audiobook. Uh, so the very first like Thing that I remember Star Trek for Was that audiobook and I was like wait What is this? This is so cool What is this about androids Named Data and, and, and some People named Picard? What, what's happening? And Riemann's? Riemann's must be a really big thing <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah so I, I got into That and, and just started finding more And more and my dad obviously was a huge Trekkie so he encouraged it. He bought me The season 7 of TNG <laughs> Back when I was a kid which is also a weird place to go after nemesis. Um and so yeah, I just fell further and further into it and found Star Trek Enterprise, which was the first Star Trek show that I like got to watch week to week and just got so enamored with this world that like was able to be this cool fun sci-fi thing, but also enabled me to kind of have a touchstone for discussing larger issues that like as a little kid I didn't really have any sort of hook into. Um, but to like see discussions of race or even gender, and especially gender. Uh like there's a couple episodes of Enterprise and uh Star Trek the Next Generation that touched upon gender and Dax in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it just it, the show helped me understand larger issues and also helped me sorry, I'm like skipping so many things because there's so many things to get into, but uh like I guess the I guess the last thing I'll end on with this thought is like it helped me understand myself quite a bit too because I'm obviously transgender and I look at Dax in Deep Space Nine and I just remember as a little kid being like oh that kind of helped me understand a little bit about who I am and how I wanted to relate to myself and my own sense of self and so Star Trek did all those things for me while also being the fun weird sci-fi show so uh that's that's Kind of like the truncated version of my journey into Trek. <laughs>
1: Tell us a
2: little bit about that, about Dax. How did Dax really help you identify yourself?
0: Yeah. Um, so it, we all know that Dax is a Trill, and her whole thing was before we even met her on Deep Space Nine, she was in the body of Curzon, and she was a guy. And so she had been seen as a guy for a very long time and then obviously transferred into the body of, of Jetsia Dax. And when I was a little kid, I knew that I was dealing with gender in a way that felt different and outside the norm from most of the world and society. Like I, I, I couldn't have the words to really necessarily describe it as a kid. Like you you don't you know you feel a little bit off, and this is something that queer folk in general, like anyone on the LGBTQ um spectrum, can kind of relate to. It's like as a young person, you kind of feel like you're slightly different from everyone else. That the way society and other people are feeling feels uh, a little bit different from how you feel about the world and relate to yourself. And so, I knew that there was something off. Like, I would look at other girls in my like class and my grade as a kid, and be like, "I wish, I wish I could be like you." And not knowing how to address that or feel that or express it. And so, I would look at someone like Dax, who was a character who like clearly was being treated as a woman and seen as a woman. But she also had these like qualities of, of like knowing a past as a man, like even Cisco calling her old man in this affectionate, kind, caring way. It wasn't like a mean thing. It was a kind way that just acknowledged who she was sort of gave me this ability to be like, Oh, gender is this thing that can be mutable or can be thought of slightly differently as these fixed points that we've always thought about them as and we can sort of change throughout our lives. And that sort of got me, giving me some way to describe my own feelings at that point. So it was just this wonderful metaphor that allowed me to wrap my brain around my own relationship to my body and myself that then sort of instigated me learning more about like, let's look up what transgender means and things like that. So I was able to get more um, educated on the topic so I could learn more about myself. But Dax was really the first way that I could describe that to myself.
1: Hmm, excellent. And of course, the the complete lack of any kind of representation of that. I'd imagine mm-hmm. like everything that you see is reflecting this world that isn't like the truth for you, but is just kind of the mainstream society. And, and to see even just a small glimmer of that in a character like Dax, I think that would be that's amazing. Like representation matters. Like yeah, let's exactly. Let's just put that out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, we. this is uh, probably something to talk about a little bit later, but it's why I'm also so excited for the next season of Discovery because the next season of Discovery, they've already announced, is going to be the first um, series of Star Trek to feature an explicit transgender and non-binary character, two different characters. And I'm just so pumped for that because as as important as characters like Dax or um, uh, episodes like The Outcast and The Next Generation were to me, to understanding myself... They were always couched in this metaphor and always couched in like, oh, I have to like try and make the connections through this alien metaphor. And also they were characters that in many ways, especially in the case of the outcast, were meant to teach other people about the trans experience or about gender or about sexuality. Like the the whole point of the outcast was like trying to teach people who weren't queer or on the LGBTQ spectrum or whatever to help them understand the experience of being gay or being um, trans or anything of that sort of like oppressed minority group. But we never get to exist in and of ourselves and get to see ourselves just having fun in a cool sci-fi world where our transness or our gender isn't tangential, uh, is it, not is not the main focus. But it can just be a sort of like side thing about a characters that maybe will inform decisions that we make, will inform parts of our thought processes. But also, we're just part of a crew, part of the team, part of just getting to enjoy being in a fun sci-fi adventure. And so I'm just so excited for that explicitness to for, of trans representation to be coming into Discovery Season 3. Well, it took um, long even, enough,
2: right? I mean, yeah. didn't you expect, as much as we all know and love Star Trek, didn't you expect something like this to happen earlier?
0: Yeah, I mean... That's, I mean, we we were talking about, like, my love of Star Trek. Like, that's, that's part of what I, I, I find fascinating about Star Trek, is that it's this show that is always about, explicitly about, like, showing diversity, showing inclusion, showing as many different people taking part of this enterprise of humanity as possible, and... So it's always expressly had that goal, but in many ways throughout many of its years, not just in LGBTQ representation, but it's also failed in in that attempt in many ways, like how it treated women for many, many years in its early uh, seasons and, and episodes. And while at the time that was kind of a really negative, a horrible thing, I also like looking at it as a way of like, Oh, where can we look at where this show succeed had successes and where it failed in order to help us learn going forward? Because I never see something as like, oh, we should condemn this or we should hate this or, or it's it's awful that it did this. It's more of like a, that happened and let's see what we can learn from it and let's see how we can grow. And so I love that Star Trek is this show that has... This, this aspiration and yet fails to live up to that aspiration sometimes. And it creates these wonderful avenues for learning and discussion um, in, in ways that uh, other franchises just don't have. Just don't have. And so I, I love just by the very nature of Star Trek that we can have this conversation about like the importance of pseudo what I would call like proxy transgender representations, like characters like Dex, characters like people from the Outcast. Um, they, those representations were so important and meaningful to me, and yet they also failed in a way. And so now I get to talk about why representation is important explicitly in a start to context with Discovery season three. And so I just, I love that this show provides those avenues to talk about things in a nuanced way, rather than as a, this was bad, this is good, or this is great, or this was horrible sort of way. It's like, oh, it can be good and bad and positive and negative all at the same time.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, as an avid watcher of your videos, you know, a lot of these issues and a lot of, you know, deep issues in Star Trek are things that you talk about on your channel. I'm curious, how did you get started with making videos and with your YouTube channel specifically as well?
0: Yeah. um, So... As I mentioned you know before we started recording I do video work professionally. Um, I you know try to be a video producer and work freelance but before I started my YouTube I was working at a company called um, Pride Media which is an LGBTQ news organization they do the advocate out.com um, pride.com um, those are uh, if you're in the queer community you're almost surely have probably heard about magazine or The Advocate, and even sometimes that sort of gets out of. The, the queer realm, but they're sort of big news organizations. Um, and I was doing a lot of work there as a video producer, uh, making stuff about educating about the trans experience and being like making videos that's like, hey, I totally understand. Gender is really weird. I don't even fully understand it and I'm a trans person. So let's sort of dive into it and learn and educate um, about and and try to understand this together. And that's something that I learned that I really love doing and get excited about doing. I I enjoy being a teacher. I enjoy being someone who's like, yeah, let's learn about these cool things about, about different aspects of being human, whether it is gender, whether it's about uh, you know culture, things like that, whether it's about politics or social issues. I just like breaking them down and I just have the brain for it. But the thing with that was it always had to be kind of be very political or very uh, expressly done in this sort of newsy way. And as you know, there's this whole other side of my life that's like, I love Star Trek. I love the geeky, nerdy thing. And so much of my ability to understand politics, to understand gender, to understand these things comes from science fiction, comes from Star Trek. And so I started thinking about, as I was working at this company, it's like, how do I marry these two things? Because I love teaching and I love Star Trek and I love science fiction nerdiness. And so I started using my video, my YouTube Um, to try to start exploring that question of like, how do we make videos and work that can discuss these two topics to educate people, but also just revel in the nerdiness that we can, we can enjoy and use that as an avenue to teach and learn and help grow, um, as human beings. And then the other thing too, just as a, as a person, you know, I have a lot of anxiety um, and one of the things that a lot of creative people know who deal with anxieties, and I'm sure both of you probably feel from time to time is like, you get so anxious and so worried about your own, uh, ability to create things. That's like, oh, I, 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 I know I can be good, but maybe, maybe not, maybe I'm not that good. Maybe I'm not that great at making something. And part of that hurdle is like, you just have to create something. You just have to do it. And it, by the act of doing something, you get better at it. You learn more, you grow more as a person. And so part of me doing the YouTube thing was like, all right, I'm going to make myself do a video every week. And so I came in with the express goal of wanting to connect these two things, but also with this goal of like, I'm going to sit down and force myself to be creative and give myself deadlines and give myself goals. And so that all just came together to, to make the YouTube channel that... uh that I hope is, uh, is, is, is worth something and doing something good and, and, and is sharing my voice with the world in a sort of a fun, interesting way.
2: What kind of reception have you been getting from viewers? I mean, I'm sure you get reception that's both positive and negative, but I mean, as this show is called Positively Tracked, I'd like to focus a little more on the positive side of yeah.
0: things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's always the negative thing. The unfortunate side of it is like just being a trans person or any minority group on the internet brings with it that. And so I'm able to just ignore that because it's like they're not even looking at anything beyond just who I am. So it's very easy to sort of set that aside. And being on the positive side, I see two different reactions that I they both make me so happy and and overjoyed um, when i when I see them is um the one type of reaction is from the trans community and from the queer community in general, where they're like, "Oh my gosh!" I am also a nerd as well and I love that I get to see someone nerding out and I get to like have someone kind of being my friend sort of enjoying and reveling in Star Trek Lower Decks with me and sort of like being the trans person who who can like do that for me um, and, and be representative of that. But the other one that I also just it matches my love of being an educator and being a teacher um, the reaction that I get is that I get people who know nothing about the queer community or about the trans community or about, you know, other minority groups or political social issues that I touch upon in my videos. And they'll be like, I can't, I found your channel because I wanted to, like, see something about Star Trek or learn something about Star Trek um, and and just, like, see a cool little Star Trek video. But then you made it connect with me and taught me about what it means to be trans. And I never thought I would understand what it meant to be trans. And I didn't intend to learn to, about being trans, but I did through your videos. And that just, honestly, it just really moves me and, and, and makes me feel so honored that I'm able to help someone understand and connect with another aspect of humanity in, in that way because... The thing that I always I tell this story um, because it always stuck with me was I was trying to explain this little kid to or when I after I just came out as a trans person to a friend and they were asking like, oh, what's this part of being in the trans experience? And I would just explain and they're like, oh, yeah, I could never understand that could never understand what you're feeling um, when it comes to that. But I also connected to you in this way. And then I would say something else and like, yeah, I could never understand. But also I, I connected with that in this way. And I'm like, so you do understand. You may not feel the same emotions in the same exact way that I do, but we're all human. And me being trans in my specific experience is not so alien and different that you still can't feel the emotions that I feel in maybe a slightly different way. Like we've all felt like, oh, maybe my body isn't the way that I want it to be in some way, shape or form. Or maybe we have insecurity with how we present in the world. These are all emotions that every single person feels, whether you're trans or not. And so I like using Star Trek as the vehicle to be like, hey, let's connect that point to this point and see how we can both feel these sort of disparate emotions the same way, even if it comes from two disparate experiences. Um, and so that's sort of been the reaction is like people just being um, surprised that they were able to connect with an experience that they had no real touchstone to experience and and finding that through star trek which i think is ultimately the goal
1: i love that the the idea of making connections and you know not not talking to an audience, but having a conversation with them and that kind of back and forth learning experience. I I think that's incredible. And, uh, you know, for example, your video about the kind of response to people saying like, Oh, well, Star Trek doesn't need to have trans or non-binary characters. They did that. They did that in the outcast. That's, that's been done. Your response to that. I have shared a number of times with people saying like, you know, that, this is why that's not good enough, you know, and I, and I love that. I thought that was great.
0: Yeah. And I always try to come at it from a place of not hating or looking down on those reactions. Cause like, I totally understand and, and get why someone who maybe didn't have my experience might be like, but didn't we already have that? Didn't we already have trans characters in Star Trek? Why do we need to uh, say it's the first time we've gotten explicit representation in Star Trek and in, in discovery and, and coming at it from a point of like, yeah, no, you're not, entirely wrong like those as i said before those elements of star trek were meaningful to me as a trans person like i get you they they weren't it wasn't not there but also maybe think about it a little bit this way like maybe think about like how meaningful it would be to say like i am a trans person and see that in star trek like i am fully prepared to cry when i see that in discovery coming up this season like i am sure i will feel many emotions when that trans character steps out and 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 just exists in star trek Um, and so I always try to come at it from a place of like, I'm never going to talk down to somebody. It's always about meeting people where they are and saying, yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from and why you see it that way. But maybe we can, maybe let, let me give you a little piece of information or maybe make a connection that maybe you hadn't thought of. And let's just see what we can learn from this. And maybe we can try and, you know, go from there to here as, uh, as these, the <laughs> saying goes. Um, For sure. And yeah, and so I just, I, I love doing that work of just meeting people where they are and helping them just maybe just see a little bit of a different perspective than they normally would.
1: Excellent. Well, speaking of Star Trek Discovery, and of course, the new characters that we're going to be getting, uh, we did get a bit of news this week that I do want to touch on briefly and kind of get your thoughts on as well. So we had the New York Comic Con uh, virtual event where there was a there were a number of panels, uh, the Lower Decks panel we talked about in our Lower Decks review episode. So if you're wondering why we don't talk about it here, go check that out. We try and keep those spoilers uh Reserved for that because we know we're the, there are international viewers who are not uh, not watching Lower Decks and still want to listen to this episode. Uh, so let's jump right to the discovery panel, and uh, we, along with a short little teaser trailer, we also got a sneak peek at you know an early scene in the uh, the first episode. I want to ask the both of you: Have you watched that scene, and if so, what did you think?
2: Uh, I watched it many times, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, I, gosh, I don't know what I think. I mean, obviously it takes place towards the beginning of that episode of the first episode, mm-hmm. because we see Burnham kind of flying through space. Like she just came through that, whatever she came through. And, um, I feel like we've seen a lot of little snippets of what we're going to see in the very first part of the first episode. So it, obviously it looks like she lands or she'll survive obviously. And Booker's going to land there and they're going to meet up there on the planet. And that's how we start. So, I mean, but I thought the visual effects of it, I thought the energy of it was great. Um, I, I got really excited to the point that as I was watching it and it ended, I thought it was actually like, forgot that I was watching a clip. I was expecting the whole episode to play out. Yeah. I was like, wait, oh my gosh, that's right. It was a clip. I was so into it.
0: Yeah, I was I was very much feeling the same way. I was like, oh my gosh, I just want the rest of this so badly right now. Um, yeah, the thing that like, uh, to add on to what you were saying that I was curious about and was curious about from the very first uh, mention that I knew we were going to be jumping ahead with discovery is like, what is the technology going to look like? Because... You know, I know one of the problems with why they did Star Trek Enterprise after Voyager was like, oh, where do we go after that point where it's not just like bigger phasers and, and bigger just whatever we already have. And so I'm just excited and curious to see how they'll solve that problem of like, what what is it, like 800 years of technological advancement or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got like a little snippet of it here with Booker in this opening clip with like, Oh, his ship has this like cool weird design and like these touch pads with his hands, um, which I thought was and like the way the like view screen had the like alien face coming out and that alien face did it remind anyone else of like the orc from Lord of the Rings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It definitely had that quality. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just reminded me of like an orc from Lord of the Rings on the screen. Um, but yeah, it just like, it was just cool to see the new tech of the, of this new era of Star Trek.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I I sat down and I saw the link and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to watch this. I'm going to, you know, just be surprised when it comes out. And that lasted about 30 seconds. And of course I played it and uh, yeah, it's incredible. I'm really looking forward to this show for sure. Uh, We also, like I said, got a short little teaser. Not a lot in there, I think, that isn't in, you know, other trailers that we've seen, but still interesting to look at. I'll have links to both of these, of course, in the show notes. Uh, But there was another panel that I want to talk about, kind of the biggest unknown on the horizon right now with regards to Star Trek, and that's Star Trek Prodigy. And of course, before I even saw the panel, I saw the news lighting up all over Twitter, all over Facebook, the return of Kate Mulgrew as Catherine Janeway in Star Trek Prodigy. So uh, first thoughts, just at an initial blush on bringing back this character, Uh, what do you think about about bringing back Janeway?
2: (laughs) I was so thrilled. I have to tell you how I found out about this, because- you know if you didn't listen to the last episode i was spoiled about something that's in lower decks okay for those who don't want spoilers because i was taking my lunch break i haven't watched i didn't watch the f- uh, season finale yet that morning of lower decks i didn't have time but during lunch i decided to tune into the new york comic con panel and when it was live something was spoiled so i decided oh i need to get out of this but after the hour was over and after then i watched at that point then i watched lower decks I, then it's um, the panel had just ended, so now it was on YouTube and it was no longer live. So, but I had a meeting coming up. I had to jump on a call. But I was like, "There's got to be something here." So I just was like scrolling through, you know, the little thumbnails of the video, seeing is there any clips, is there anything. And I saw the clip. There was like, "Oh, it looks like there's a clip of uh, Discovery." And I just watched that. Didn't watch the rest of the panel. Then I was like just scrolling through the rest. I'm like, "Okay, I just they're just all talking, talking." Wait is that Kate Mulgrew? Wait, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's how I, I like hit play. And she's like, it's so great to be back. I'm like, great bit on what? And I had to rewind a little more. <laughs> and I was like freaking out. I'm like, I did not see that coming. That was a huge surprise. I'm so thrilled. Uh, it's just great. It's just great. I'm, I'm so glad, great to see her come back and this character back. I'm excited.
0: I I am right with you. My the way I found out was so as both you know because of the time difference I'm on the West Coast. So everything kind of happens early in the morning and so I wake up to news. Yeah. And I woke up on uh uh whatever day it was. I forget what day of the week it was. The the the, the it would have been Thursday. Thursday, I guess. yeah. Yeah, so I have a discord server uh where like a lot of people just hang out in my my YouTube community And I was jumped in there in the morning and I just saw everyone freaking out and i'm like what happened? Like you get like 50 messages from people and they're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, jesse did you see this whole thing? And i'm like wait janeway's back. What's that? What what and I like had to like process all this stuff just <laughs> before I'd even woken up <laughs> And so it was just yeah I am so so excited to to have Jane Way back. It's I said this in my like discussion video on it, but it's like I love Star Trek Voyager and I think it's a really great show and sometimes a very underappreciated show, but there is also like there's so much potential with Jane Way's character that didn't get fully realized, I feel like on that show and so I'm so excited that she's going to have another chance to really flesh out this character and get to do something new and different with her, uh, in a way that we didn't always get to see and, uh, didn't get fully realized on Voyager.
1: Yeah. I think this is a great opportunity for the character, like you say. And yeah, I have very mixed feelings about Voyager. It's, it's Star Trek and I love it. I love Mm -hmm. watching Voyager recently did a a rewatch of it, but it's, it's my least favorite star trek series i think because of the inconsistency of the writing mostly Mm -hmm. and and similar to what you said about janeway the series as a whole i think there's a lot of potential that gets kind of missed with it But, you know, Janeway as a character, I absolutely recognize the importance and the legacy of that character, what she means to Star Trek as a whole. And the fact that she is also a great character, despite some of the shortcomings that that series uh, did to her and that kind of thing. I think, you know, what a great character to bring back and. So we know that the kind of premise of Prodigy has to do with a group of young people and a derelict ship that they kind of come into possession of. What do we think that Janeway's role in all of this is going to be? And, you know, something that I never really thought of is... People are saying, well, we don't even know what time period exactly this takes place in. So like where in Janeway's journey is this? Is she maybe a younger captain before we see her take command of the Voyager or something like that? Or I I don't know. Do you you have any sort of speculation on what her role might be?
2: That's interesting because I haven't read anybody's comments online. And I was wondering the same thing because Alex Kurtzman introduces her as our captain.
0: Mm-hmm. Not on the
2: show, but a captain is coming. And I was like, okay, does this mean that's going to take place right after they return to Earth before she becomes an admiral? Or is he just saying that because we know her as captain, but she'll be an admiral. But then I, And I to that point, I thought, or does this take place before Voyager? I mean, it could go anywhere. I, I mean, I have no idea. And honestly, I don't care <laughs> as yeah, long yeah. as it's Janeway.
0: <laughs> what uh kind of jumping off two points there like one one speculation that i saw is that this might take place several years after they come back from the the Delta Quadrant. In fact, Janeway may even be dead. And this is like a hologram version of her that these kids sort of find. Oh, and wow. they're like, oh, my gosh, it's like the Janeway. And she she gets to, to teach us and, and, and everything. And so they use her as like a hologram uh, version of their captain was a cool one that I, I had. And I also just love this idea of, as you mentioned, Dan, like she was such an important uh, piece of representation in, uh, in, in Star Trek as being the first woman captain. For uh, for the Star Trek franchise, which is which is so meaningful to so many women, and gave like women a role model of leadership and strong leadership, despite many flaws within Voyager as a series. And so, I really like that this is going to be a show that's going to be an entry point for kids to mm-hmm. get into the show, and they're they're going to have a leader who is just a strong leader and can teach them like how to grow and become good Starfleet officers and believe in the ideals of Starfleet and Star Trek. And then on top of that, too, just getting to see a woman captain getting to have that role of, like, getting to be this leader and getting to be the, the exemplar for strong leadership for little kids getting into Star Trek. Like, I think we just need more of that, more women getting to be, like, the, like, leader type uh, as opposed to, like, the, the matriarchal, uh, like, like, parent And
2: I, and I think that would be important to Kate Mulgrew to play and not have that character be a hologram for that reason. Mm -hmm. She's going to say, even if they had the idea of Janeway being a hologram and dead, she'd probably say, no, let's have her alive for, you know, because I want her to be a role model, a live one, not a hologram of one.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just heard that speculation. I agree. I think I would prefer her not being a hologram, but I could also see that route being taken. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I hate to say it, we're kind of running short on time, unfortunately. Uh, there was one final news story I wanted to bring up, uh, which is uh, Alex Kurtzman, a recent interview, saying that Star Trek Discovery still has years and years ahead uh, and has started to map out the Star Trek franchise out to the year 2027. So, uh in your face uh people who (laughs) think he's been fired 47 times uh yeah uh so this is a great interview i'll link to it everyone should check it out there's a good summary over on trekcore.com but uh yeah how excited are the two of you about you know the idea of uh this being mapped out for you know another seven years still uh of new star trek to come
2: I'm I'm excited, but uh, you know he can map it out, but doesn't mean that CBS is going to greenlight it. So you know I don't try to get too excited.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I agree. Like it's one of those like you always have to couch our concerns. Like oh yeah, but something could always happen. The world the world has shown us today that crazy things can happen, and plans <laughs> mean nothing. But but also I am very 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 pumped uh, to just see this franchise continue. I've mentioned this before uh in in other videos but i don't think there's a better time to be a star trek fan right than right now there's just so much happening and so much excitement and so much so much history to draw from but also so much new coming our way and also on all of that like something that i really felt with lower decks and why i'm so excited for discovery because i think the themes of this season discovery might touch on stuff that we're feeling today is like i need star trek today more than ever Mm -hmm. like this this franchise that shows us like that we can be flawed, that we can screw up, that uh you know, humanity is not perfect in many ways, but we will always strive to be better and that we will always work to to get to the future where we do accept everyone, where everyone is just uh getting getting a chance to have a voice and being included. And we may falter, we may fail in that, but that's always the goal for humanity. And that's a message that I think We need right now that even when we fall we will pick ourselves back up and and get out there and uh, I'm just so excited that Star Trek just gets (laughs) to still be a be a part of our lives right now it just makes me so happy and will be for many years as Kurtzman says.
1: I need you to do like writing for my videos because that was beautiful. (laughs) Like I've got a single tear rolling down my cheek (laughs) almost at this point.
0: (laughs) It makes me cry too. I just, this show is, Star Trek is, as I mentioned before, it's what brings us together as a community and as people. Like it's just such a joyous, wonderful thing. And it doesn't mean we don't acknowledge its flaws. It doesn't mean we don't acknowledge when it makes mistakes. But even making its mistakes, even its mistakes are what make it beautiful. And it's the same thing with humanity. And so I just just love this franchise so much for teaching me that and for sharing that with us.
1: Well, I can't think of a more beautiful note to end on. So... Jesse, where can people find you uh, when you're not joining us on Positively Track?
0: <laughs> well, you can find me on all of the social medias at Jesse Gender. I'm on Instagram and, and Facebook, but I usually am ranting on Twitter about something or other. Um, so that's probably the best place to follow me. But if you want my actual bread and butter content and all the things that I do, you can find me over on YouTube at Jesse Gender, where I do at least one video a week, oftentimes two or three where, as you say, I talk about Star Trek and tie it to social and political and, and, and LGBTQ issues. So that's where you can find uh, the main stuff that I do.
1: Awesome. And Bruce, how about yourself?
2: Well, when I'm not watching Jesse Jender's YouTube channel, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex
1: and occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at KurtRatz. That's just Star Trek backwards. And you can also uh, find me... On my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Productions, you can find the show at Positively Trek and search for our Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Uh, it's a great group. We've got a lot of new members, uh, but still room for many, many more. So please come join us. And until our next episode, stay positive.